You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2007 Frankfurt Avenue. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. The New Testament writers prophesy that the old is gone and the new has come. And the heart of the work happens in the followers of Christ and through them. So what does that look like? to be new creations living in a world that is simultaneously falling apart, even as it's becoming new. One thing that I think it looks like is this shift from living in excess to living in abundance. So that's, that's the angle we want to take on it tonight. Excess is a result of a world that lives in this fear of scarcity, that there's not enough. To go around. <clears throat> Abundance is the result of trusting that God's going to provide. Of course, I think we see this imbalance of excess all over the world, right? Excess wealth for a few that creates excess poverty for many um, and keeps widening the gap as we, uh, um, you know, kill the physical environment. We even see the, the imbalance of excess in our city where demographics change like from block to block um, and half of our people live below the poverty line. I got to hear from your friend Nick Esposito here this week um, about how the excess of wealth or poverty doesn't happen as much in Cuba as you know in spite of you, the United States attempts to starve these people out, um, they are not starving because they are sharing. They've come up with a plan to share with each other. Um, so here's Nick with one of our Solidarity Beyond Borders uh, team leaders, Claire. He was talking about how their experiment has created a society where nobody's rich, um, but healthcare and education is free. Artists are like held in high esteem and they make a living too, just like everybody else. And so Nick is trying to work with others to end the illegal embargo that is um, that keeps coming down harder on Cuba now with the, under this administration, and also to dismantle the idea that Cubans are some kind of impoverished criminals um, without capitalism. Because the truth is that they are addressing their problems in some ingenious ways that world superpowers could learn a lot from. But we're here in this meeting forming a circle of hope because we know that the issues of excess and abundance are deeper and bigger than any one kind of government. We're talking about the human heart when we talk about fear of scarcity versus trusting God to get our needs met. So I want to start there with the human heart. I think the question is, will people fearfully and unconsciously grab for the quick fix that is so accessible to us all the time to get our momentary needs met? Or will we follow Jesus into becoming the new creation um, by allowing God to bring us into this deeper sense of, of God's provision and love for us in each moment. I think we're moving in that direction. And 
uh, it's good to keep talking about it. Like I was thinking, I, I need this sermon at like every day um, in each season of my life because naturally I am prone to a more is more attitude or, or approach to life. I know more about more is more than I know about less is more as an American and even just in my personality. Um, for example, I grew up in an Italian family where this always applied to food, which by the way, you need to taste Scott's chocolate chip cookies back there after the meeting. Um, and then I enthusiastically applied this to adventure sports and other risky behavior as a teenager. The more dangerous, the better. I loved nature, but I was always pushing the limits by jumping off train trestles and flying down power lines on my mountain bike and backpacking canyon lands and free climbing things that should not be climbed and um, discovering underground caves and always looking for more thrill and challenge and, and really like affirmation for myself. How close could I get to the edge? How far could I push myself? How many miles could I run? How much distraction could I muster from my real internal questions and conflicts? I think that was a lot of it when I, when I was young. Um, I was looking for some kind of escape. And so I, 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 was, I was trying to um, numb myself in a lot of ways because um, I didn't know what to do with all this longing for more that kept nagging me. So I was also a philosophy major as an undergrad, and so I like how some philosophers call this, this elusive longing for more object A. It's the thing or the person or the experience or the condition or the religion um, that we unconsciously think is like the next thing we need. It's like the solution to fix our latest problem. And advertisers get so good at selling, selling object A to us all the time. Um, so object A is many things um, on many days. Um, and the thing is, of course, that once we get object A, it, it, it immediately becomes a fossil because it doesn't really deliver the, the thing that we needed it to give us. It never meets the expectation. We still have this longing. Um, and, and longing after this illusion that some, something or someone is going to satisfy us, I think runs most people around. Following gurus and experts, switching brands, converting to new religions, um, eating more sugar, whatever it is, always reaching for the, this ever-elusive thing that's going to um, make us happy. So the invitation of the spiritual life, I think, is to recognize that this longing for more is always in us. And that's not a bad thing. It's just never going to be satisfied by object A. Object A is never going to deliver. And, and I think the sooner we realize this, the better, because going after the thing, you know, keeps us in our cycles of depression or whatever it is, anxiety, makes us cynical because we never really get that satisfaction. 
And so then I think lots of people just try to kill their desire. They try to kill their longing altogether because it's so painful to have it never be met. They isolate, detach, and pretend they don't care. But the truth is that we do care. If we're alive, if you're alive at all, you do care. We all have this longing and desire for life and connection that we can't we can't kill it. And so I think the invitation from God is is to embrace it as a sign of our connectedness to God. Is it the Bible talks about eternity being um, in our hearts? I think that's what this is about. Um, this elusive longing points us to our Creator, the ground of our being, the one, the one, the eternal one, um, the one who lacks the lack. So this this longing for more, you know, totally matches up with who God is. When we sing, our hearts are restless until they rest in You. That's why. That's why we're singing that. Because um, our, our longing is for this eternal love, and nothing else is really going to satisfy it. Our, lo- our longing is bigger than we are. Um, it's bigger than any object A. It's so big and never-ending that it calls and empowers us to do, do the thing that the Spirit is doing next. And so I love that we have like written that into our convictions that that um, we're called to move with the, what the Spirit is doing next because we, we don't know what that is yet. And so we're going to have to tap into this longing and desire in order to be with God in that next thing. That was such a discovery for me as a young Christian that, um, that my desire didn't have to be like mistrusted or like ramped down or destroyed. <laughs> It was such a revelation that, that this desire and longing in us it is not bad. It's just that we're not going to satisfy it in object A. Um, but when we allow our longing to connect with its source, we get to this abundance. We get to this sense of, of provision and joy with God. And so I think this is, this is why Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God, and and he promised all these things are going to be added unto you. Like, what a wild promise. How How is, I don't even know how that's going to become true, but that's what he said. And then Paul tested it out and found that my God will meet all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. That's a promise. And, you know, Paul was, like, shipwrecked, starving half the time. I mean, this guy, like, in, 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 by all worldly standards, didn't have his needs met, even for safety, by any means. But he, he was tapping into some, some very real sense of abundance with God. I think his longing was matching up. So embracing our longing without reaching for object A, I think puts us in a place to test out these truths, to actually turn to God in our moments of need. And we can do this through prayer all the time, which is just talking to God. Like you could be talking to God right now, even as I'm talking. 
that's why we have this meeting every week. We don't need a special time or place for words. My friends in Spain have this weekly prayer meeting, and somebody asked them afterward, how long have you had this methodology of talking directly to God? Because it was the first time that they had experienced that. They had grown up thinking it, it needed to be like fancier or something. They didn't know it was possible that, that a loving and attentive God is present to us right now. That, that's the source of our abundance. So if you want to say something to God right now, um, go ahead. At, at, at any moment, in any circumstance, we can turn to the source of our longing and, and to help us stop reaching for that object A because that thing is usually just a symbol of our deeper need for love and security and meaning. So I try to position myself, um, and I know lots of you guys do this too, in environments of, of more scarcity, like on a regular basis, so that I can keep training my heart to access this abundance in God. This is why I go on solitude retreats regularly. It's why we observe Lent as a community and try to, you know, fast from those things that distract us from our real hunger. It's why I love the desert and the woods so much. It's because my regular candy, so to speak, isn't around um, to distract me from feeling what I'm really longing for. So usually when I arrive on retreat, um, look, here's a, a shot from my little St. Francis hut this summer. I like, I, I don't know what, why this surprises me every time, but I, I often just like weep when I get there. I'm just so happy to um, just be in this place with God. And it's not that I don't love all the people in my life. It's just that I can fall into the arms of God in a different way where nothing is expected of me, um, where I'm understood without words, and I can just be in the silence. This gets, this gets to some deep abundance in me. So I was thinking, what, well, what is the abundance? You know, what does it feel like? I think for me, the abundance is knowing without a shadow of, doubt, of a doubt that I'm completely loved. This is abundance to me, that God sees and knows me and isn't just putting up with me and constant failures but like actually like delights in me like I delight in my kids abundance feels like being embraced and surrounded protected from whatever might try to steal my place there in that peace with God I'm aware that there are birds chirping outside and a, and, and a bright sun that's shining and sustaining all of life on this planet where everything has a place and a purpose, everything belongs. And I can feel the richness and the complexity and everything working together to be fed and satisfied. 
I can see how the psalmist said, you open your hand and you satisfy every living thing. That's that's abundance to me when I can experience that and I can rest there and, and realize I don't have to provide. God is the provider. God is taking care of all the details that I usually fail at at uh, attending to anyway. And that feeds me, and I can just breathe in the now. Not regretful about yesterday, because I got to this place today. Not worried about the future, um, because God's going to be there with me then. That's, that's the sense of abundance for me. So how do, how, do we, how do we live there all the time in that awareness of abundance? I don't know about you, but I have to keep turning back to it. I don't just stay there. I, like, jump out of that place all the time. Um, and so I have a little three-part plan that works for me um, with the acronym SNL because I love Saturday Night Live. But the acronym stands for STOP. So stop, stop going after object A. Name, name this longing or this hunger that if, you know, if I let it go, it'll become this sense of scarcity that leads to excess. And then finally, listen. The L is listen. Listen to God. And I, I um, really feel like that listening happens um, mostly from just being in God's presence not any particular thing God says or methodology, but I, I want to talk about like experiencing God's presence and how that can be healing. So I think I, that this little three-part thing um, for me is kind of like a way to be contemplative in the modern world. It's, it's how we can be every an everyday mystic and I, for me, it's like better than any anti-anxiety medication I know. So here, here it is, um, a little method for living in abundance, for channeling all this desire we have into an awareness of blessing. The first part, I think, is the hardest. Stopping our pursuit of object A, I think, is the hardest thing to do because we it's usually unconscious. We don't we don't realize we're like reaching for something. It's hard. Uh, yeah, this I think that's the hardest part, the turning. Like as soon as I wake up in the morning, I think that coffee is going to help me face the world. I get the coffee, but before I even take a sip, my monkey brain is jumping around to like 400 other things um, that need to be done. Uh expectations I have on myself mostly, but also people who expect something of me. Kids' lunches need to be made. I might have to coordinate the car with Jeff. Gail, Gail, I need something at the building. I need to find more partners. So in 30 seconds of being awake, I'm already filled with this unconscious sense that like the world is on my shoulders, even though I know it's not. The feeling is that I need to make a turn or things are going to fall apart, right? You probably, you have these things in your life too. And even though I know that's objectively not true, um, I, I could run on that feeling all day long and wear myself out and stress out all the people I care about. 
unless I stop and listen listen to the birds and, and let myself consciously be cared for by God. So I can't tell you how to remember to stop and turn from this mostly unconscious cycle of scarcity, except that you could decide to begin a new game today with God, to be a better friend to yourself, to let God partner up with you in a, in a new life-changing way. And if you want to do that, the Holy Spirit will help you. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit often nudges me through other people um, or through things happening that kind of like hold up a mirror to my mind and heart so I can see how I'm listening to my fears instead of the truth. Um, and, that, and that's like jamming a stick into uh, um, the spokes of the wheel of anxiety that turns. Once we're able to stop, the next step is to name the scarcity to God. Naming um, that sense of need, I think, is so important because it's, obvi- it, it's often not obvious because we, I think we project, we project that fear of scarcity onto other things and other people. I might be like shoving a bunch of candy in my mouth because I'm, not because I'm hungry, or because I'm tired, right? Or often anger is the thing, my anger is the thing that gets my attention and gets me to stop, and I'll realize I'm not actually angry. I'm, I'm sad, or I'm scared that something's going to happen that I can't control, uh, or I need to, uh, I, I'm feeling some kind of loss that, I, that needs to be grieved. So we need to get down to the thing that's actually going on with us, and... Um, I think that that can be really helpful. And naming that to God can be freeing and comforting. And it, and it's freeing and comforting because like like telling God not because it's like this transactional exchange. It's not like God just like takes that thing then and hides it behind his back like we're some toddler that that doesn't have object permanence yet. It's it's more like God literally meets us there in that sense of lack and scarcity. Like that's that's what um, that's who Jesus is. That's why we have a God who's not like some Star Wars impersonal force in the universe, but we have a personal God who who identifies with our pain and yokes himself to it. This is how Jesus can say, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I'm going to link your burden to mine and carry it for you. I'm going to do the heavy lifting. I see what you're worried about, and I'm here to take care of you. That, that's our shepherd. So when, when we are able to stop interrupt this cycle of anxiety and name our fear to God. I think the invitation is is simply or at least first to just be aware that he's that God is there. That's what Johnny keeps saying to us as we worship. And that awareness of God's presence I I have found to be like the most the most convincing reason uh, to stop my worrying. <laughs> And trying to do everything myself 
and open up to the sense that like I'm I'm partnered with the creator of the universe. Um, when I became a mother, I was struck by the new awareness that the thing my kids needed from me the most was my ability to be present to them. Not just physically present, but emotionally and mentally and spiritually. Like I could, I, I was, uh, I didn't realize this before they came along, but then I, when they were here, I could see what they needed even more than like food sometimes was just me, it was me paying attention they needed me to witness what they were thinking and feeling and to be that mirror back to them so they could learn about themselves in the world. Um, and of course, this presented a deep challenge to me. And this was the biggest and most important lesson of that season of my life. And um, very much as a Christian, um, because in order to be present to them, I realized I was going to have to learn to be present to myself, and, and mostly to learn that God is present to me, that I could, that I could like lean back into God's arms and receive what I needed. You know, it wasn't like I had to be perfectly present to my kids, because that's impossible. I needed to learn um, that God was present to me, so I had something to give them. I was going to have to stop being so depressed about the past or worried about the future or even the next 10 things on my to-do list, you know, and simply be able to sit on the couch and nurse a baby or sit on the floor for an hour and play a repetitive game and, and notice them, you know, like that's what their little brain cells needed to grow. That undivided attention from me was what their hearts needed to know what their hearts needed in order to know that they were worthy of love. So I kind of skip over it to some other, like, accomplishment or something. I couldn't pass it off to somebody else for fear of failing. They, they needed me, my whole self. And so I was going to have to lean into God's arms in a bigger way. I was going to have to learn to abide in the vine. I think this is what Jesus is talking about. When he says, abide in me, and I will abide in you, and together we're going to produce much fruit. It's this sense of trust that God is doing the work, that God is going to provide, that we're not, we don't have to hold it all together. We don't have to be in control of everything. And, and, and it sounds so simple, but I think it's actually so hard. <laughs> We need, we need God's help to do that kind of listening to God's presence. <clears throat> but it's so good to try and practice because it can actually transform us. This is what it can actually make us a new creation, I think. I want to ask, I want to add one last promise um, to our list to take home, to stay in that sense of, of abundance. Jesus says, this is the last thing he tells his disciples. I'm going to be with you always. I am going to be with you always. I, he must have thought this was an important thing to say. Because it's the very last thing he says. I'm going to be with you always to the end of the world, to the end of the age. Some translations say to until the end of time. 
like he's like he's actually here. I have, uh, and, and when I when I remind when I'm able to stop my cycle of anxiety or anxiety or fear of scarcity or whatever it is, and actually remember that and turn, even if it's like in the middle of a conflict with somebody, it can be so trans. It, it can just change every. It changes the whole picture. Oh, Jesus is here <laughs> right now. I think we need. I, I think we need to feel that. And if we can't feel it, that's okay. We we can we can um, know it by faith. That's what we're working on. It's not about an experience. It's a it's about a growing awareness. So this is the promise from Jesus, and it it, it came true at Pentecost, and it's true here right now that God is present with us. His Spirit is here, actually here in us and with us to comfort and guide and sustain us. And I know you guys know this stuff. I know I'm like not saying anything new. But I think, I think we need to say it to each other more. You know, this is like the, the, the main dish. And sometimes we pick at the hors d'oeuvres all day long. But we have a creator who is here to provide for us, to sustain us. And I, I told you that story about me learning to be present as a parent because that is, you know, I'm doing it in my whatever little way for my kids, but that, the, how much more our, 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 our parent, our loving father and mother God is like trying to attend to us, to help us, to know us. We need to be cared for too, to remember that we're not in charge of the world. We have a creator provider who's going to wrap up time and really make all things new. Do all the things that we, we keep trying to do that we feel like we keep failing at. God is working on that through us, making all things new. We only see through a glass darkly now, like your pastor Johnny likes to say. We only see a glimpse of the beauty that is to come, but it is coming. And we are safe God's arms. Until then. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.